for our diving Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Hello, everyone, and welcome to Trudging Together Raw Recovery. I am your host, Dion Miller. It is Tuesday, and you know what that means. It means that we have another story to tell, and we're going to sit back. We're going to take some time. And we're going to have some fun today. Anissa is our guest today. Anissa, Hi. welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi. Hi, Dion. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> I'm really, really good. Thank you. Um, so, um, yeah, so you guys, uh, again, I don't know Anissa very well, so we're going to be doing some discovering here. Um, and let's kind of go ahead, let's go ahead and get into it. This is Raw Recovery with Anissa. It is your show. Hi. Okay. Well, uh, my name's Anissa. I have two years recovery after a relapse. Fantastic. Uh, my story starts when I was pretty small. I was about five or six, and both okay. of my parents were alcoholics and drug users. Um, we are here from Denver. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, and my father also molested me at that time, so, and I was left alone with my little brother, so I was doing all the grown-up things. Okay. And I was already figuring out that party and was the way to go. Yeah. So, I was already and, getting into the beer and the pot. And I haven't... Uh... I haven't got to know you real well, but you have a long memory, I bet. I bet you're one of those people that can remember when they were like three. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Okay. No, that gives yeah. us a good view of where you're coming from now. You know. Well, my memory, actually, it was things that impacted. I have PTSD and anxiety. Okay. So, and a lot of trauma. There was a lot of trauma that hit. So, uh, those are the things that I remembered. When I was 17, okay. I got a car accident and I had a severe brain injury so that okay. knocked a lot of my memory out and my family took my grandmother had books and books of photographs wow. so yeah we had to cool. go back it took a long time to get those memories back yeah. it was a lot of the rehab I bet and I bet that's a story in and of itself and and a and a cool mm -hmm. comeback story too so. uh yeah so, but we were living in Denver, we're five years old and our parents are partying. We think that's the norm. Right. And we moved a lot, you know, and I figured out now in my adult life, it was because of the abuse. There was a lot mm -hmm. of abuse going on. Running. So, and people finding out my mom worked in a bar and that's what I remembered the worst of it happening. Okay. It seems like living in, we were living in Metairie, Louisiana at the time. Uh, we moved here from Colorado to Boston, to Louisiana. So that's where I started school and got a Southern accent. <laughs> so, okay. Are you in Louisiana now? No, I'm in Denver now. Okay, cool. Yeah. Good, then I'd be we able just, to see you at a meeting. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, we just lived there for 10 years. So I moved there when we were like five and then we moved back when I was 15. Okay. All right. So my parents, we moved a lot. They split up a lot. Um, drinking really became, I would say in my eighth grade year, I was in gymnastics and some high schoolers would come and spot us, spot training. Okay. Well, one of the guys, I guess he liked me. And so I got introduced to the high school crowd 
Okay. And that was the beginning of the end. That was back mm. when there was cater parties, house parties, you know, oh, yeah. digital. Those were the days. Yeah, we grew up in a different era, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think my kids missed out that. <laughs> <laughs> there were advantages to being a latchkey kid, man. We were on yeah. our own. You know, we yeah. were kind of responsible. We took care of the bills. We had to take care of the house. But right. then I always felt like I was due. So I would go snag my mother's beers. Yeah, I'd snag her beer and I'd snag her pot. Well, you know, I always had to take care of her and dad too with the hangovers yeah. and being beat up and, you know, yeah. making up stories and all that. And, and that's that. what adults do once, once they've accomplished everything is they drink, right? So that's... Yeah. And we, I certainly felt like an adult and I was 12, but you yeah. know, I was doing adult stuff. Right. Right. So this well, boy. And eventually, yeah. Well, and the unfortunate thing is, is through all of that, I became everything that I hated as a okay. mother. Yeah. So back to that car accident. Um, that was really messy. I was with a couple of friends and I wasn't drinking. I just had a hernia surgery like the week before. So I was on Tylenol. Okay. But my friends were tripping on acid and drinking. Okay. And we were in a soft top Jeep with no doors on it and stuff. And one of my friends climbed out onto the hood of the Jeep and then he climbed in the other side. So that was the Ooh. beginning of the end. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I remember standing up on the peg trying to be, you know, keeping up with the big boys. Yeah. Wow. Standing on the peg and I lost it and I went yeah. flying from the Jeep. And the last thing I remember is tuck and roll. <laughs> so, and it's a good thing I did because it was a brain injury anyway, but I guess I had enough sense to. Oh, yeah, myself. you did enough yeah. rolling or something oh. to not hit it too hard. Wow. Yeah, I was in a coma for three weeks after that. Man, so that must scare the I hell out of your was, parents. Yeah, it was horrible. They didn't know if I was going to come through. My memory was shot. You know, I had a lot of bodily injury on top of it. Okay. So I remember coming through and my family came in through the door. And the first thing I said is I'm hungry. <laughs> and they were just, oh, my God, you know, all like uh. that. But what I wanted to get to is I had to see a lot of therapists and stuff. Okay. Because they ended up suing my friends, which was also traumatic. That was worse than me. Sure it was. Yeah. And seeing all of these doctors and stuff, they said, you'll never be more than a waitress. And, you know, the history of my childhood came up. So you'll never be more than a waitress. You'll never yeah. be a fit mother. You know, forget relationships. They just really brought me down. Well, as a person, I'm very stubborn. Mm -hmm. so I decided to prove everybody wrong. And well, I was pregnant and married by 19 to my first husband with my uh -huh. first son, and that lasted all but a year. And okay. then within the next year, I met my second husband, and uh, six years later, we had our first son. But in the course of all of this, or my very first son, my mother had him almost immediately because I was so wrapped up in drinking and okay. the drugs. You know, this had become my lifestyle. It's all I knew. Yeah. So like I said, I turned into everything I hated. You know, yep. I ended up pawning off my kids and disappearing for mm -hmm. weeks, months, that kind of thing. And then having, you know, all these mental issues as a mm -hmm. result of everything. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I take my medication and, oh, I'm feeling better. You know, there's sure. nothing wrong with me. And I'm an epileptic on top of it because of all Ooh. of that. Okay. So I, 
stop taking all my medications, start self-medicating. I yep. got into coke by the time I was 15. Coke moved to crack, crack mm-hmm. moved to meth, pills, you name it, I did it. Never asked questions, never cared. Okay. You know? But uh, I also got, oh, I tried to move away. I tried to move to Wyoming. And I had one of my sons with me, and I was hooked up with the guy that introduced me to crack. Okay. And I was thinking, well, if he got himself in trouble and he had to run, and my attitude was, if I move away, then, you know, I can better my life. Never mind, mm-hmm. I had my biggest problem. I was taking my biggest problem with me. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I eventually got all three of my boys there, and I went to work in a bar and met the dealer. You know, it was mm-hmm. all the same story. So it was around 9-11 is when I was living there. Okay. And after that happened, I called my grandmother, who I was very close to, and I did her a lot of bad. I stole from her. I lived with her. I stressed okay. her out with my kids before I left for Wyoming. And so I called her on Thursday and told her I was coming home. Then on Friday, they called me and they told me that she had died that morning. Oh. So off I'm to sorry. the races. Yeah. yeah something I still can't get over but I still cry every time I think of my grandma heck yeah yeah Yeah, good old grandma yeah so anyway it just gave me an excuse to use yeah and I got a hold of the meth and my second husband came out to pick up me and the kids and get us back to Denver because my vehicle had broken down so I couldn't get back to Denver but it was it was on I just couldn't quit I was using so much I was Mm -hmm. ratting Denver, couldn't deal with my grandma dying, couldn't deal with the kids, couldn't deal with my husband, just couldn't deal, period. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, that boyfriend kept popping in and out, and he just had a, you know, I was easily persuaded. Yeah, and he had a way, it sounded like. He had your number. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, he was a charmer. I I knew how to get those charmers, those bad (laughs) boys. Yeah. So fast forward a little bit. I was, uh, I got a job in a bar in Lakewood, CPs, one of the toughest mm-hmm. bars. Oh yeah, good old CPs. Oh, I yep. it, there. it became my home away from home. Okay. <laughs> and I had met some musicians, and I used to sing, so I always, you know, wanted to be a that's, singer. That's what I was gonna say. I always went there to see bands play. Yeah, yeah. So um, I got introduced to, to some people from a studio, and. Anybody who was anybody would go there, you know, mm-hmm. and it was constantly a party every day of the week. And I ended up hooking up with a conga player who was like twice my age. And Much worse uh, than a drummer. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm a was. drummer, so I can say that. <laughs> oh, yeah. He couldn't play the drums, but he could beat the hell out of congas. Man. And me, it turned it turns out. So here uh, I was in another abusive relationship, another one. Okay. And, uh, Anyway, I had a best friend by the name of Patrick, and he always wanted to hook up with me, but either I was with somebody else. A lot of it was I didn't want to do it with him because I loved him that much, and I was mm-hmm. trouble. I knew I was trouble, and I would lose him, and I knew You it. didn't want to ruin the only good thing in your life. Yeah, exactly. And so another sad story, the studio, we used to have a stone stock. And so they would set up a place in the mountains, uh, Mm -hmm. like right around Central City, I think it was. I don't remember. But uh, Patrick is the one that would go up there and set up the stage and the teepees Mm -hmm. and all of that. 
he was uh, very close with the people who ran the studio. Okay. Well, I had seen him the night before and uh, I had broken up with Donnie, the conga player, and I was ready to jump with him while well, he was with somebody else. And the next day he was leaving to go up to set up the, the, the teepees and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, he was high and I was high and he left that morning and he wrecked his motorcycle and he died. Mm. So here yeah. we are, we're off to the races again, again. you know, staying mm-hmm. high. I went to the funeral high. When I was done with the funeral, I stayed high. And, you know, everybody felt sorry for me and stuff, but something happened and I just had to get away from there. Yeah. And so after that, I'm kind of blacked out from it all. You know, mm-hmm. I was still misbehaving and trying to get away from this guy, Donnie. And by now I'm living with my mom and my brother. I had a townhome that I couldn't afford. Mm-hmm. And two doors down lived this guy who was the next cop, but now he was a crack dude. So I was over at his house smoking crack. Mm. Well, my mom introduced me to this guy and uh, he really liked me and I liked him. And so he came and rescued me and he was with the Sons of Silence. Oh, come. So, he was like my only safeguard because in the meantime, Donnie was with the banditos and trying to get me with them. And I don't know if you remember, but that's back when all of the biker clubs were like initiating everybody. All yeah, they were, they were bringing it. They were trying to snag everybody. Like if some yeah. war was coming up. Yep. Yep. It was. I stayed it away was. from that. I love I bikers, but I hate up. motorcycles. I just really, they're too loud. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Well, That's the only thing. But I love bikers, man. Some of the coolest people in the world. Yeah, yeah, we are. I still ride, but I steer Good. clear of the clubs. Yeah. <laughs> the Good. only club I hang out with is Putt and Sober. So there you go. <laughs> Putt and Sober's been around forty years now. Ah, uh, yeah, a long time. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. So I lived with Bill, who was also a dealer, and uh. Initially, it started just with pot, you know, but we drank every day. And now, you know, he got along with my second husband who had the kids. Okay. And my first son was, the kids were getting bounced here and there and somewhere Mm -hmm. else. You know, I was a shitty mom. I wasn't there to kiss the boo-boos and take care of them when they were sick. But there's an upside to it all. You know, with Bill, it was dealing, but I was seeing my kids. They were coming over. It was a bad atmosphere. Another abusive relationship. But I ended up staying with him for almost seven years. Okay. And then when my oldest son hooked up for his first marriage is when it really started dawning on me. I I had to make some changes. Mm-hmm. You know, a baby was going to be right around the corner. And so I put myself into a rehab center in Commerce City. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you still, uh-huh. Sturt? Is that where you went? I don't remember. I don't remember. Watch yeah. house. Well, they used to take us to the little red house mm-hmm. for meetings. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was cool. The, uh, that was the old timers. Yeah. I remember yeah. the little red house. Love that place. Is yeah. It still around? I guess it's still open. Is yeah. it? Awesome. Yeah. From 231, cool. uh, uh, the old timer comes there and he told me that, that they're still open. Fantastic. Good. Yeah. So I don't know where I was. You just went into rehab. Oh, yeah. I just went to a rehab and me and my second husband hated each other. We did each other bad. You know, we used to 
each other up really bad. And I took a lot of money from him, fought him for the kids, you know, fooled around on him. He fooled around on me. It was all just bad. And we hated each other, mm-hmm. but we tolerated each other because of the kids. Yeah. So anyway, so Blaine got married and that was really hard going to the wedding. Cause like everybody knew that I was bad, you know, right. and he had it rough, but we got through it. And after I got after rehab out of rehab, I could only stay sober for like three months because okay. Bill and my mom and my brother were drinking, you know, and partying every day. And then, you know, bikers were coming over and picking up mm-hmm. drugs every day. Yeah. You hang and, out too uh, long at the barbershop, you're going to get a haircut. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Well, some time had passed. And like I said, I had epilepsy. I have epilepsy. So the not being on my medications and the using and stuff, I would push it to the point of having seizures okay. and them having to put me on ventilators and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Like, you know, typical OD and having seizure seizures. Yeah. And so I had an episode and I had two, two friends and they were trying to get me out of being with Bill, but you know, I'm on disability Mm-hmm. Can't hold a job, you know, everything those doctors said way back then, it all came to light, you yeah. know, even through my life it was and dealing with the depression and all this stuff. It mm-hmm. was really hard for me to hold a job. I managed to work my way from being a receptionist at a mortgage company to an underwriter, but mm-hmm. it took a lot of, uh, thank you. It took mm-hmm. a lot of hopping, skipping and jumping yeah, and, and ultimately, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't hold down a job because eventually okay. it would get me. You yeah. know, and the depression would get me. Well, anyway, so I was in the hospital and Jackie was there and I said, I'm not going back. And my mom and my brother lived with me and we fought a lot and that, you know, we were drinking buddies on top of it. Okay. So I just had to say, that's it. I'm done. And I already had my first granddaughter. And okay. then shortly after all this happened, well, we'll get to that in a minute. So anyway, I, I just said, I'm done. And so I started couch surfing, put a restraining order on him. <laughs> He threatened me with the sons of silence, even had some of the guys come and talk to me. So I was terrified. Certainly. So being, being around my kids or anything was, you know, like not going to happen. And uh, eventually it did happen. I, I, I tried going to Missouri and staying there with my friend Jackie and her family. But I kept through all of this, I kept using a lot because I felt so much guilt and dismay for not being there for my family, mm-hmm. being there for the kids. You know, and then I used to try to numb it up and then it'd get worse. Well, I finally decided I, you know, had to do something. So I talked to, to Ronnie, that's my husband, and asked him if I could stay here at the house, you know, not getting back together or nothing like that. I just needed help. I needed to get away. Okay. And I felt safest with him. And he did talk to Bill and get him to call off the dogs. Mm-hmm. And I had another friend who also talked to, you know, got things in the clear. Good. You know, he's just a temperamental boyfriend. He had to back off. So um, anyway, so I moved here and I had had about, uh, I don't know, I guess about six months, but everything between me and my husband kicked up like it had never changed. You know, he was chasing me around the house, calling me down, being a jerk, you know, and I had no place to go and I was crying and all of that. So I had relapsed and I ended up using for about three months. I thought it was okay. like three and it started with some Jack Daniels and ended with the meth. Okay. And that's when I really realized that I had focused a lot on 
on alcohol, you know, as far as recovery, trying to get away from alcohol, I didn't realize I was an addict and (laughs) big time. Yeah. So, um, there, how it all happened, there's a lady that I had gotten on Facebook as a friend who, who goes to putt and sober. Okay. And I watched her for about a year with her kids and everything that she did. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like I said, we were friends on Facebook and had never met face to face. Well, she had said that she needed somebody by now I have six months, Okay. but she said that she needed somebody or some people to go to the jails with her for celebrate recovery. Yeah. And so I said, well, I, I want to do that. I've been in a, I've been in and out of jail a number of times, three DUIs. Yeah. You might be able to help those people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so I've been through all of those classes, you know, for anger management, yeah. DUI, all of that stuff. So I'm feeling like I'm a pro. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do something with this. Yeah, you know, make it absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I met with her to fill out the application and it was for a background check. Mm-hmm. And I honestly didn't think that it was going to go through because I have this <laughs> record, you know, yeah. It took a couple of months, but she called me and she said, guess what? You know, your background check went through. Mm -hmm. You got to be kidding me. I am shocked. (laughs) So her and I um, got together and started going to the Denver County Jail Mm -hmm. for Celebrate Recovery once a week. And we have really good groups and it had to get discontinued because of COVID. Yeah. In the meantime. okay, so now I have a year with her. Okay. He's my sponsor now as well. Good. And so I got involved. We went to a suicide prevention seminar and uh, the guy giving it was Pastor CJ. And it turned out I knew him from another church that I was trying to go to. And he he also went there. So we recognized each other. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that he's a church planner and he has a church right by my house in Aurora. Or ah. the one place that I didn't party a lot and don't have history. So I live here now. Okay. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so I got involved with his church and now I do administration work with him. I founded a celebrate recovery group meeting there now on Thursday nights. And, uh, I also ran the children's church and Sunday school. Okay. And- know and give care packages to first responders and that sort of thing so and in the meantime me and my kids all three of them have wonderful relationships they have forgiven me you know all of us still talk about things you know they have memories that they suffer am am i hearing a grandchild in the background no you're hearing my son he just got back okay (laughs) and it was the chicken that's the sound alarm to let me know when the doors open it's okay Yeah. So anyway, and I do have one grandchild now and my, my, that son is on his second marriage, which is fabulous. And the divorce as dramatic as it was for him and as painful. That's when I stepped into the picture with him Mm -hmm. and I wrote it out with him. And it was so hard watching him go through that. You Mm -hmm. know, I just couldn't take the pain away. No, well, he's got Ellie now and he's very happy. Mm -hmm. That's great. And then my second son, I'm really close with him and he lives with us now. And uh, the pandemic really hit him. He lost two jobs, lost his place, him and his girlfriend split up. So he Mm -hmm. went through all kinds of stuff too. And uh, he's recovering now. He got another job and he's doing well. Yeah. And then my youngest son, he got married 
and he works in a hospital as a radiologist. Okay. Uh, a heart. He goes into people's hearts and puts in stints, helps the oh. doctor put stints. Oh, I yeah. know that. In fact, uh, your son may have done mine. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two stints in my uh, left artery. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a heart attack when I was 42. And, the, oh and don't tell me your feelings won't kill you. Because <laughs> 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 they tried. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it, you know what? I, it, and what I'm hearing in this, because right from the beginning, even, I mean... And it sucked because people set you up for some stuff. Like you'll never be anything more than a waitress. That was the part that stuck with me. And what'd you end up becoming? A waitress. See, our mind is, our mind, once it finds that comfort zone in alcohol and drugs, you're not going to be able to, then it's like, okay, fine. Well, then I'll just, that's fine. I'll just be this forever. Then I'll just be a waitress and a dumbass forever. Right. When actually all really comes down to is that we need to make a few changes. Yeah. Life really is what it comes down to. Yeah. Well, I also self-sabotaged it because I, you know, became a bartender and went to work in bars so it could my lifestyle. Sure. You know, because I was so hooked on it. That's what I wanted was just a nonstop party. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's actually what made me a horrible bartender. <laughs> me too. Yeah, me too. I was not a very good bartender. Everybody yeah. was drunk, <laughs> including me. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't know if I was charged. Yeah, you know. <laughs> just uh, just so I can just so I can be popular, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Well, it was nice what, having that kind of control, you know, because yeah, bar is mine. I say what goes, mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing yeah. and of course everything blew up there was fights you know yeah. uh, a guy yeah. od'd in the bathroom once he had he played pool a lot so he was always at the bar okay but he didn't drink and he was in recovery well okay. one night god i haven't thought about this for years one night he came in and he was just sitting there he wasn't playing pool and he wasn't talking and you know, he disappeared into the bathroom and he was in there for like 15, 20 minutes. And I sent one of the guys in and he had, he overdosed on heroin. Yeah. He just, I guess he had issues and he chose to come. That was the red coach I was working at. Okay. Right down the street from CPs. Yeah. Yeah. That's where that happened. Man. So you just uh, never know, you know, when it's going to. You, you never know when it's going to be your time, you know, that next drink or the next pill, the next, you know, um, right. our, our addiction is suicide on the installment plan, you know, and I made it very clear to myself that I didn't care about myself much. Right, um, right. And since I couldn't, since I didn't think much of myself, I certainly didn't give that to anybody else, you know, um, and I know what it's like to be an absentee father or an absentee parent. And I was too. Um, and it was neat because about three months ago, I turned around. I'm like, I'm not that person anymore. Right. I'm no longer absent. Right. I no longer have to feel like a crappy person about that anymore. Yeah. I, love, man, I just wanted to break down and cry because, man, what a relief knowing yeah. that I'm actually a good person, man. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it feels good that they trust me and they call on me. I watch my granddaughter. My son trusts me to watch my granddaughter. Um, they feel confident that all of it is in the past now. I'm not saying I'm sorry every two minutes anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got away from the sorries. Good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and it's really nice. You know, we have, I never imagined it. I didn't think getting sober. Well, my first fault was I thought if I got sober, then everybody else would get sober. Yeah. And I was yeah. and did the rehab. And of course that didn't happen. It still hasn't happened, you know, but I'm finally accepting that there is normal drinking because it happens to be my sons that I learned that from, mm -hmm. you know, they learned from me. So they watch for red flags and stuff and they're yep. cautious about their drinking but there's no issues, you know, nobody's getting beat up. Nobody's mm -hmm. appearing for weeks, you know, nobody's losing jobs. Yeah. So, well, people, you know. what you're doing is being accountable and you're showing your children that, and they're following suit. You're breaking the generational addiction, yeah. you know, because we can't pass that on through generations just by our actions. Absolutely. I feel like we can. Um, well, that's what I feel is I'm a product of that. You know, my mm -hmm. grandparents were during, you know, great, great grandpa. I had a still in their basement in Kentucky, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> a long-term drinking. I think it's very hereditary. Oh yeah. And, you know, out of, I have three sons and two of them haven't had any issues, but there's one that the one that lives with me that has had problems here and there, you know, I've seen mm -hmm. the red flags with him. So dealing with that <laughs> carefully mm -hmm. yeah because <laughs> i don't want to ride him or make him feel like he has to hide it or whatever I, absolutely you know even because i went through this with my son and i'm, I'm kind of going through it with my daughter um my son has more time than me so, so i don't give him much of a hard time but um <laughs> you know really all i can do is be an example for my daughter and I right. told her, yeah, I know you're doing this, but don't not, don't avoid me. Don't not right. have a relationship with me. Um, we were brought up in the era of tough love and that fucked me up. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not going to do that to my children. Right. Um, God bless my parents. Yeah. They were given advi bad advice, you know, but that was the, you know, Dr. Donahue was all about that fucking tough love shit. Yeah. Um, and what it did, it gave me PTSD is what it did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sure made me did. feel unwanted and not a part of. Yeah. Um, and to this day, I'm 50 years old and still searching for where my home is. You know, yeah. Where my yeah. comfort is. So well, what I'm, is life like for you today? Life is very good for me. It, it's very good for me. You know, me and my husband get along. He, nobody, we don't drink anymore. Yeah. Every now and then he will with a friend of his and it just okay. gives me a heart attack, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, as long as you don't drink whiskey, you know, that old rule, you're fine on beer, but don't drink whiskey. Kind of all thing. right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I have relationships with all of my kids. I go to 231 AA. I run the coffee bar twice a week. There you Sometimes go. I go more often. Um, I do celebrate recovery for the Salvation Army Citadel in Lakewood once a week. Okay. And we bust in girls from the rehab center that they're associated with. And uh, on Thursday nights, I do celebrate recovery at Grace of the Lord Church on 6th and Chambers. Okay. And, and, uh, 
any yeah. of these meetings that, that you have, I mean, you feel free to put them in, in the charging together group. Feel okay, free, great. Yeah. Feel free to post that stuff in there. Okay, um, great. Well, there's a lot of different, you know, I'm an AA guy, but AA isn't the only way I celebrate all types of recovery, man. Yeah. Um, and there isn't one way. If there was one way, half of us would be drunk. So, <laughs> um, so most certainly, yeah, everybody needs to know that there's different pathways. So always feel free to post meeting the, those meetings up there. Okay, um, great. So, well, you know, a lot of stuff came out of this one, you know, um, and I really appreciate uh, your transparency and uh, taking your time and coming on here and sharing with us. Thank you. I, I, it was an honor to be here. I appreciate the invite. Uh, and I, you know, I just hope that this can reach out and help somebody else. That, you know, and that's what it's all about. We, if we can help one person, right. if we can just help that one person, then we've done our job for today. Yeah. I mean, we still got to do it again, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, and a lot of times, and what's, what's cool about, what's cool about doing it this way is you're not hearing the effect and people are like well yeah but i want to hear the effect the most humble thing that you can do is something for somebody else without getting anything back or knowing anything mm -hmm. that's humility yeah. you know, god will let us know you know but we don't need to be going look what i can do no it doesn't work mm -hmm. that way <laughs> no 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 all right all right, everybody, this has been our Tuesday edition of Raw Recovery with Anissa. Um, and gosh, what a fantastic time. I had a lot of fun today. Um, and I look forward to getting to know you better as the days go on. Great. Well, it was nice meeting you, Dion. I appreciate everything you do. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. All right, everybody there in podcast land. Uh, this has been Raw Recovery with Anissa, hosted by Dion Miller. I love y'all. You know I do. Peace out and have a day.